this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Afternoon FM. Today, I'm joined by Paul from Union City Heroes and Los Loss from Cell Far. <laughs> gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Hey, hey. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Too bad. Rocking some delight, drinking some Brooklyn Lager. We're not sponsored by them, but hopefully ours is pretty goddamn good. Uh, today, we're going to be talking a little bit about this man's life, his, uh, his heroes, Dungeons and Dragons, his events coming up, and uh, yeah, thank you for joining me, bro. Absolutely, yeah, we're going to get into a lot of uh, fun, geeky, nerdy stuff, some of which is happening uh, right here in Patterson, mm. uh, but this has been a, a, a long journey that uh, got us here. Um, it's a fun story for uh, about how all this came up, and um, I'm really excited to be here and talking to you. Word, I am as well, bro. Uh... So let's get behind the man behind the heroes. So, Mr. Paul, tell me a little bit about your life. What is, uh... Sure. So, uh, I'm the oldest of, uh, five brothers. Oh, Jesus. We're a little, literal fraternity. Wow. Um, yeah. What is that like? Um, it's, it's, uh, kind of crazy. We're, um... We lost our mom when we were real little, and mm. our dad was working to like support us in a big way. So we were kind of on our own as, in a like a, a lost boys uh, mm. situation for a while, and um, it was a kind of really fun, interesting way to grow up, kind of looking out for each other. But we had this like big backyard that backed up to a bird sanctuary, so we had all these woods we'd go out and play in, and like. Uh, you know, we're kind of living the uh, the the Lost Boys lifestyle for a while there, mm. and it made us all really close. Um, Where's all, this at? So we lived in Watchung, New Jersey. Oh, where? Right up by the Watchung Reservation. So mm. there was a lot of uh, open space there, a lot of reserved land, and our house happened to have this huge amount of woods behind it with a brook running through it, where we'd build like forts and play like Lord of the Rings yeah. and like you know uh, made up our own characters, and that's really like kind of where this all started it was us running around the woods together with our own like wooden swords and this cool stick i found yeah you know? yeah 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 i do the same when i was like a little kid man it's, uh, of course is uh my grandmother has a spot up in sussex county awesome and uh just growing up man it was like there was nothing there i remember just playing like knights of the old republic a lot oh that was a Great game. Great Fucking game. amazing. Great game. Fucking amazing. One of the best stories in, yes. in RPGs, you yes. know? Yeah, yeah, bro. I just remember playing Knights of the Old Republic and then, like, just fucking picking up the same shit, man. Picking up sticks and just pretending they're swords. And the, fucking... Or lightsabers, as the case may be. Or bows. Or yeah, wizard yeah. staffs, oh, like, you man. know? That Dynasty Warriors, bro. Dynasty Warriors was the shit. Yep. And so, like, it was kind of, uh, thinking back on it, you know, I realized we were really developing this kind of group storytelling, this imagination-based storytelling that we still do together because um, a bunch of the people I still play with are my brothers you yeah. know we've got like uh, a little less than half the group is made up of, of my blood relations really? yeah. no way, that's awesome yeah and um, and you know we're, we're 
they still, still a really like the tight big, fraternity. You're still the big brother of it all. You're like, oh, yeah, to a degree. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they funny. think I'm up in their business too much sometimes. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm kind of like, no, nah, I gotta. Dude, you're never gonna look be out. dungeon master if you keep up the shit. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm about to have a kid, so they're uh, they're gonna need to step up to do some dungeon mastering soon. Mm. All right, we're gonna get into that a little bit later. Man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. How when, how how far along? We're due November thirteenth. And so, well, congratulations. Um, apropos of which, uh, uh, the conclusion of the Worlds Collide game here, Prototype Two Thirty Seven, is like the fourteenth of November. Oh, so we dude. have built in a baby date. Like if. If we're going into labor, the day that this game is has its conclusion, we have a backup date just in case. I say you deliver it here. I know, right? During the match. Well, I'll, I'll talk to and the doula about that. And throw off fucking <laughs> anybody who dares oppose you. Yeah. Uh, Amanda would really love that. That's, uh, that sounds like her dream. <laughs> well, having a baby in the middle of a live performance while I'm busy. Oh, man. Rolling dice. Yeah. There's a dude in a wizard hat playing the fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a fucking. What's the midwife? The mid, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the doula performing Alan birth magic. <laughs> that sounds like a David Balladici fucking like novels like name. It's like the paladin who was also a midwife. That's a great story. I yeah. mean, that sounds like a, a real humanist take on it. Yes, yes. We can only be so lucky. I know. <laughs> well, it's this kind of like postmodern uh, ideas or the the rehashing of those um, stereotypes, those tropes mm. that I think um, for a long time our Dungeons & Dragons group has been doing because we're all we've been doing this for so long and we're cognizant of story types and character types and we want to really play with those and really tell like kind of a unique story but also fit it into um, a familiar form something mm. that's recognizable as like this kind of fantasy adventure um and it feels like uh, uh, Worlds Collide is really going to be part of the the culmination of that. Like we've really been kind of working on these ideas, these kind of postmodern takes on like a classic Dungeons and Dragons, and um, it's like an evolution from where Tolkien was, right? Yeah. With his, you know, we all kind of have that as a baseline, um, but like having the paladin be a midwife is a way of taking that and being like, hold on, like, it's the 21st century now, you know, we're a hundred years past Tolkien, we can recognize this as classic and do something with it that's uh, much more relevant or much more new to our day. The way you're describing it, and to the viewers and everybody, I'm, like, kind of a noob. I have sure. no... I know a little bit about it. I know Hero Quest because my older brother is very big in the war games, but he was never a Dungeons & Dragons guy. Right. It was mostly like a Shogun. Yep. Okay. That was a weird game. Great book. Great game, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought you meant the book. I'm sorry. I'm a, no, it's all good. Uh, Los Loss. <laughs> yes. Chime <laughs> <laughs> it in. Fucking, um, the way you're describing it makes it like kind of kind of sound like a theater piece. Well, Worlds Collide certainly is going to be that because we're performing it on stage. We're going to have lights and sound. We're going to have a soundtrack written by Solfar. Whoa. Which is why, uh, uh, yep, yep. Which is why Solfar is here today. Yeah. Um, and um, so it's this is really... Uh, Dungeons & Dragons, when it's done well, is very theatrical. And it plays that way. The only thing is the audience, generally speaking, is entirely made up of 
the players, the contributors, right? It's mm. like a bunch of actors getting together and doing a play for just themselves, but one they're they're making up on the spot. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like an improv. Oh, very much so. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Even at, at its base, you know, a lot of people they get the adventure module when they start out playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? And it's like the curse of the trolls bridge. And you go like, oh, awesome, I can be a dwarf, like Gimli, right? Like, I've yeah. got an axe, and like, you're like, cool, like, I've got this character sheet, and i got a plus three with my axe? Yeah. Like, that sounds awesome. And I've got a, a 17 armor class? Like, that makes me really tough to hit compared to my friends. So you kind of go, and it's this story of, like, you go and you fight the troll and you save the bridge, right? And you get gold and you level up. Uh, all of these are things that were a lot of us were familiar with from like um, uh, computer or from video games. Yeah, right? I'm, a, I'm like, a big Morrowind guy. This is a totally. Fucking, yeah. So you this know guy, exactly right, about. Right. Yeah. So far as is agreeable. Yeah. No, I'm a big Morrowind fan too. Oh, the, you know, the, the, I, I played all that kind of stuff before I played tabletop RPGs, mm-hmm. but it's basically the same thing. Um, are, are you in the Are you in the subsec that? Uh, that Morrowind is its own like elite platform above Oblivion and Skyrim. I do. I would honestly say Morrowind is probably the best, I, and then Oblivion. It's weird, and then right? Skyrim, but they're also good. That they're no, they're great. They're yeah. wonderful games. The thing about Morrowind, and I think it's a little bit alluding to what Dungeons and Dragons is, is that Morrowind doesn't even have like a fucking like map. I mean, it has a map, but yeah, it has yeah. like there's no. There's no like, here's your fucking breadcrumbs to where it yep, is. Yep. It's just like a vague journal entry. Yeah. And you really, and then after you're off that fucking ship, you could go It's anywhere. just your world. Yeah. There's no thing. Yep. Like you know what I mean? It's like really. Yeah. That's, it's it's like, and there's no chronology of what the fuck like you're supposed to be doing. There's no yeah. like, there's no breadcrumb. That's what I yeah. love about it. It's and it's just your own world, really. Yeah. Well, I would say in D&D, the best Dungeon Masters, which Paul absolutely is, having played a, a whole bunch of games <laughs> that he's uh, curated, which I think is the right word, um, you get that same sense of it being totally open, like anything could happen, and yet behind the scenes, there's plotted out a bunch of cool things to happen that make sequential sense and add up to a story. So um, you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get that sense of, as a player, wow, like, I don't know what's coming next. Anything could happen. But also knowing whatever it's going to be is satisfied because it was sort of planned out in this way. Mm. So that's kind of what drew me from, you know, computer RPGs or video game RPGs into, like, tabletop playing. Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's. I don't know, man. I, like, I, That's the thing is, like, you get the satisfaction of it. Yeah. Like, a lot more, I feel, but it's, like... Yeah. And we've played, like, um... Uh, uh, he was in... Uh, series of uh, Star Wars RPGs I did. Um, Those are the best. Where, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the praise. Well, um, uh, which, how, what were the, what was like the context of the Star Wars? So, thing? it was kind of taking place after uh, Return of the Jedi, kind of ignoring all the um, 7, 8, and 9, and uh, it was the story of the aftermath, and everybody created their own character. Um, all the big heroes were in the background at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was this uh, epic story where we had these moments of like uh, he was uh, uh, somebody's sister who was like a rogue Jedi and the, the 
the brother was an Imperial officer and they had this standoff on this planet and oh, like awesome. nobody knew what was going to happen. Either one of them could have died and like that would have been it because these games were done as you know, one day, one session affairs where it's like, okay, yeah. beginning, middle, to end. Like, we're going to open with the opening crawl and end with the end credits here. Oh, that's cool. So, like, whatever decisions you make, go big, leave it all on the table. And, like, you know, people did. Like, characters died. Like, uh, uh, um, someone got away with, like, the, the treasure and, yeah. like, was like, nope, I'm out. I'm fucking sailing off yep. into the horizon. It's like a storytelling jam. Yeah, yeah. in oh, a big that's way. so sick. And, and that's what uh, uh, every... Dungeons and Dragons or, or tabletop role-playing game is it's just these are skills to do this well to tell a story that's compelling that like your players are really going to get into um, that even an audience can get into it takes time and it takes like really recognizing what these what these things are and how to implement them mm. and so um, you know uh, I've seen other people's games and you know I know this is going to sound super snobbish but I'm like okay cool like you got a plus three flail. That's that's cute. awesome. That's great, man. Like, and it's not like <laughs> I've got a character with a plus ten flail. Like, no, no, no. I'm beyond caring about the flail. Yeah. Like, this is about telling a story where, like, I have sessions where, like, yes, I made people cry. Like, <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I made and everybody the paladin gasp. The yeah. second, the second, uh, yeah. the sequel to the paladin as a midwife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the paladin yeah. and paladin wept. Yeah. <laughs> the, we- the weeping paladin. Oh, the implication of the midwife paladin weeping is pretty rough. Oh yes. man. Oh, the, oh, all right. <laughs> oh man. All right. But that's the other thing. Like with Dungeons and Dragons, you can get into whatever <laughs> themes you want. To. Yeah. You can get one whatever whatever themes you want to, or you can avoid them, right? Like, you cater to the people you're gaming with. Like, yeah. okay, this dude's really into this like thing with an elf war. Like, okay, so we'll we'll get into that, and like, this one wants to play power politics. Like, cool. So we'll have that element, and so like, not only are the characters' decisions forming the game, but with a good dungeon master, game master, author, like, you know, the all the things that they're after are going to get implemented into the story. Where? So, yeah. And it's a really uh, interesting dynamic um, between, like, when the, the, the person writing the adventure, when the person running the game knows the player's characters and then goes, okay, now I can finish my story. Like, uh, now right. in my head I can plot out, like, what's going to happen? Like, what what the ancillary characters are and what they can do and, like, the positions I can put your characters in because I, now I know who you are, what you care about, where you want your story to end. Where? And, like, A, build a path so that you can get there or a path that, like, you can fail. So the Dungeon Master is serving as an author in this sense, like the author of the story. Word. Yes, to okay, a degree. Right. Yes. Did you ever read uh, the Choose Your Own Adventure books when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. A little bit. I played yeah. a lot of Mist. Oh, Mist is phenomenal game. Mist has that same like kid. open, mysterious feel. But the Choose Your Own Adventure books, it's like you get a kind of lead for a story, and then you pick where you go. But it's all plotted out. Yet it has multiple endings. Mm. You know, a tactic again the video games have picked up on. Um, but that's, I think, what a good D and D game feels like. Yes, totally. And it's just um, instead of the pages being prescribed, like next next chapters pages haven't been written yet you can change exactly. them and you can adapt to what what's happened uh, uh, on the pages you just chose and there's also an infinity of options as opposed to a couple yep, you know? yep. exactly and it's there's responsive also 
Yes. And there's also the fun element of there are numbers, you know? You have an attack dice and hit points and all that stuff. You can get in a fight with goblins or a dragon, and it can be, like, compelling, you know, in those moments of, like, oh, man, like, uh, I've got That's seven like hit points left. I need to, yeah, exactly. The pressure's on. You got, like, yep. I got to fucking roll, bro, or I'm going to get my ass yep. killed right now. The guards are after you. You can jump a- across to the next roof, but, like, you need a DC 15 jump. Like, roll the dice, man. Like, you got a 25% <laughs> chance. What are you doing? Like... And in those moments, like, yeah, but if I fall, I'm going to die. Yeah. Have, have any of your players become degenerate gamblers after? So, it's not like a, <laughs> a, a computer a RPG. Itself. Because, like, um, it, it's really interesting. My brother Joe was just talking about that, how one of his first characters, like, was just like, oh, I'm going to loot the bodies while nobody's looking. And I'm going to, like, take all this treasure. And, like, he was amassing all this wealth and, like, being scheming. And, like, he got all this cool stuff. He got all this, these powerful items. And when the game ended, or when that chapter ended, and we each had, like, an epilogue written by the Dungeon Master, he was like, and Leodon Ost, uh, you know, when he died in the North, uh, nobody cared or remembered. Like, his family Ooh. celebrated, and Joe was like, oh, I got all that cool stuff, but it didn't matter. Because when that's we beautiful. move on, like, that's not, like, telling a cool story or having an effect on the world, like, that's what makes a good character good. And, like, he was just telling me about this, like, epiphany he had and, like, wanting to tell the other players about it. And I'm like, yes, that's, I think we all go through that in certain stages of realizing what the game's about. Yeah. Word. Well, that's, yeah. that's beautiful, honestly. Right? Yeah. The person who really cared about money is they, they, they fucking... Yeah, I know, that's awesome. It's yeah. not about it's that. It's life. Yeah. It's great art, bro. Yep. Yeah. So, no, I, so none of the games are the same. No game is the same. That's one of the interesting and kind of like how how is that? I I, I know it's Gary Gygax. Oh, so, is it Gary Gygax? Yes. Or am I yep. No, no, right, you're cool. right. He's, right it's enough in the you know cultural consciousness that you do know the creator. So what he he a did, lot of alliteration as well. I know, yep. Yeah. Something I'm guilty of. <laughs> um, <laughs> he um he took tabletop wargaming. Like, so they had these games where you'd play as, like, Napoleonic armies or, like, medieval armies. And you'd roll dice to see, like, whose side is doing better. And you could play out famous battles and stuff. But there was no, like, role-playing to it. It was just kind of, like, it was this wargaming, this miniature wargaming. And Gary Gygax is the one who was like, what if Merlin was there? How do I write rules for, you know, what happens when Merlin uh, uh, shows up in this battle? And from that, he came up with, well, we can also tell this story about why Merlin's there and what happens, you know, when the castle falls or when we save it, right? And so he started developing these rules, and he's the first one to really come up with codifying this kind of rule and also kind of setting the precedent of it being um, like a very Tolkien-esque, very Lord of the Rings uh, kind of epic fantasy um, you know, with with dragons and demons, and you know, in the early days, he was using terms from Tolkien, and the estate sued him. So that's, say, like, that's the base. That's, that's the, the base. Okay. That's where it all came from. So he's the one who came up with that. Hmm. Um, and from there, it's expanded in a you know, an infinite number of directions. There are like, there's insane amounts of expansion packs uh, and of systems. Right? You know, he created Dungeons and Dragons trademark, right? But you can play um, 
uh, uh, like there are lots of other quests uh, or, or lots of other systems that let you do role playing. You don't even need one. You can just say every time you attack, roll a d whatever d6, and if you get a five or six, you hit. Yeah. You know the the mechanics behind it um, are in an infinity of uh, of variations. Dungeons and Dragons is just one of them. Oh. But they own the terms like dungeon master because that's what he came yeah, up yeah, with. Yeah. So other games have to have a game master or a narrator or an <laughs> arbiter or whatever. It's just, um, there's a lot of terminology that is owned by Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. you know, trademark, the, the Wizards of the Coast Corporation. Same guys who own Magic the Gathering. Hmm. But now there's, like you said, you know, you can get, like, the Marvel R- RPG, you know, yep. the Game Marvel of Thrones RPG. Marvel RPG is still, RPG. Is still based on, like, the same kind of, like... The same kind of rule set, mm. but in that universe. Or, like, the Game of Thrones one that's, like, the same kind yep. of rule set, but in that universe. That's a good example, right? <laughs> that's With Game of the Thrones. I ever played was the Game of Thrones one when my brother got it. Oh, yeah. There mm. were actually three different companies that made systems for a Game of Thrones role-playing game. Huh. They were all pretty small. None of them were big hits. Um, but that shows you that, like... The story is, is the big thing, and like the system is just your building. way of doing it. It's not even the world building. It's like um, it's how you interact with the world. When you hmm. say like I, uh, I reach up, uh, 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 like I jump across this this gap, right? What do you roll to do that? How can you affect those rolls? That's what this. That's what the system is. It's just the numbers. It's like the physics of the world. Hmm. The stories are your own thing. But even if like. So Dungeons and Dragons and the Pathfinder role-playing game and Savage Worlds, all of them have these things called adventure modules, which is like an adventure in a book, hmm. or these days a PDF. Yeah. And it's the same kind of, you know, um, terrible trouble at Mud Lake Swamp. Hmm. And in each of them it says, like, your players start off at this bar and they hear about the terrible trouble at Mud Lake Swamp, and then they go and, like, they find these frog people, and here's the stats for the frog people. And then, you know, it kind of guides you through this adventure. But even if, you know, multiple people um, have played that same adventure, their characters were different. And what happened in it is totally different. Oh. And it's even more um, uh, individualized than, like, a video game. Because when you play a video game, like... You have the same NPCs you're going to run into, and, yeah. and the same kind of um, quest quest lines. Yes. Whereas in the in the um, in the adventure module, like no, everybody's kind of coming up with their own main characters. So like that really manifestly changes huh. the story. So there's not a unifying experience for um, the tabletop role playing game community, other than we all do this game, but the way we do it might be totally different. It's like um, Christianity, right? Like. Yeah. Like, you know, we might all be Christian, but like the Catholic and like the the Methodist and the you know the the the, the Westboro Baptist Church people, like they're very different. You know, who's the Westboro Baptist Church of Dungeons and Dragons? Oh man, Ooh. I don't even know. I mean, like extreme, like fucking. I mean, there are like gross people playing every game, but the thing about Dungeons and Dragons is you need to sit together at a table with a couple people. Yeah, you know, like. So once a, a week, a couple times a month. Discussion. Yeah, and so, like, if you're a real turd, like, you're not going to stay in a Dungeons & Dragons game. Like, yeah. Unless you have a whole yeah, a whole bowl full of turds, like, yeah. you know, you're not going to... A whole bowl full of turds. And we've had a couple people over 
Well, my Dungeons & Dragons game, although it's Pathfinder role, we're using the Pathfinder system now, but it started uh, back in the you know early 2000s with the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. Um, we've been going for 20 years. We're wow. celebrating our 20th anniversary actually this weekend. We're all going up to a cabin in the Poconos. Oh, Ten wow. players uh, for a weekend of uh, reflection. We have custom t-shirts coming. It's a, it's a big fun event. Oh, wow, dude. But in that time, there have been a couple players who were like, eh, you know, we don't need to invite them. All right, uh, fair enough, fair you know? enough. So, well, there might be enthusiasts out there. I, I don't know. Uh, I was going to ask, what is like uh, is there like a gradual like rise to become the dungeon master? Oh, it totally depends on the group. It's, um, the dungeon master is both a privilege and a responsibility. Like, it's a workload, to mm. be sure, beyond what players have. And so, um, you know, in some groups, it's just like, no, Josh is our dungeon master. He's the one that does it, you know? And he'll do, like, whatever. Yeah. He got the new pre-written adventure. Or the next, you know, quest is going to be one he wrote, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and in some groups, it's, well, we're going to pass it off. Some people, um, you know, pay to go to gaming stores and play yeah. with a dungeon master there. Um, for our group, we started with one um, person doing it, and then it kind of developed into three of us, and we'd round robin. And that was really great, because it was a second layer of collaborative storytelling, where we were kind of like, um, okay, so we want to tell this big story, like... So if you do part one over the course of like a year, then I can take over in a year and do part two, which will be kind of this and this. Word. And then we kind of like built this like super story. You know, we we're doing this years before Marvel was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was really fun. And these days, like um, the three of us, one is a lawyer down in D.C. Mm. Um, one is a, a about to get married, and he is super busy. He's the uh, uh, supreme leader of his elks. Uh, no, it's uh, the exalted ruler of the elks. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's the uh, Grand Poobah. I'll let you guess which one of those three is, is the real one. One of them is. But, um... I can only aspire to be a Poobah one day. I know. Yeah. So, uh, he's increasingly busy, and then I'm about to have a kid, and, uh, so you, you have know... To pass the so the three of us are kind of like, well, we need some other people to be DMing, and we don't know how much we're going to be able to game. I'm still hoping to keep gaming, but at least for six months or a year or so, like, that's really not... Is there a menteeship that you end up taking, like, uh, like kind of like the Kill Bill guy? Right, so, uh, an informal one in that they've played our games and they've seen the good games and the bad games, they can call out the moments where, like, man, you really did a great job with this, or, like, man, that was a bad... You bungled that ending. And we yeah. can all... You know, we might not agree on everything, but there, there are some where I'm like, man, I screwed that up so bad. If I'd done this and this, mm. in retrospect, like, that would have been so much better. But one of the things about this game is is it happens at the table live with everybody yeah and so you know sometimes improv, things though. happen in the moment where you're like yeah you know if i had known in advance i could have thought of something or like uh, i wish i had ha uh, like had something better to say at that moment but like it's it's in the moment and so like it's a live kind of art that's beautiful it's uh do you remember your first time dming oh that's a great question uh sure i do yes because the first time i played Dungeons and Dragons. It was um, me and my brothers. We were on vacation uh, up in Maine. We went to um, Bridgeton, Maine every summer. My dad would take us. We all got a cabin 
on a lake and the five of us would go out onto this floating dock and like play king of the dock push each other off yeah, like for yeah. hours yeah. and in the little bookstore in the town of Bridgeton, Maine I found the Dungeons and Dragons 3rd edition um, starter box uh, some of you listeners out there might have bought the exact same box set uh, with the initial adventure, you know, uh, levels one to three with, um, oh, uh, Tor- Tordok the fighter and, uh, there was a, there was an elf wizard and a dwarf, uh, uh, cleric and I was like, oh, cool, I've heard about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. It, and it looks like a board game, so, like, I'll buy it, my brothers, and I can play it. And then we kind of played through this adventure and I also had that, like, my dwarf definitely stole a ring off a corpse before anybody was looking. Mm. Um, and <laughs> and the thing is, like, it's at the table, right? So my brothers were like, hey, that's not fair. And I was like, whatever, your characters didn't see it. And um, we kind of took turns being the DM because for us, it was the DM was just the person who was, like, running the dungeon Moderator. and playing the, you know, you know, okay, three goblins come and attack you. I will roll for the goblins and their damage and control where they go on the board and whatever. Like, we didn't understand, really, like, how to control NPCs, let alone um, how to create them yet. But it's 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 an introduction to a really new concept, because it's a, combining a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so everybody starts, uh, like we say, you know, your characters in Dungeons & Dragons go from level 1 to, like, level 20 or even higher. But as a player, you definitely go from level 1 to whatever level you eventually get to. Like, you realize things... Uh, some of the things I've been talking about as you go and you become a better and better player, right? We all go through times where we're like, ah, I need to stand up to the dungeon master right now or I need to uh, 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 assert my will right now. And we also learn eventually like, ah, I see where the dungeon master is going with him and I will facilitate this. Like, yep, my, you know, that might not, my, my character might not have thought to go, go along with it, but now I, I see where you're going, like, this mm. is an adventure set up, so, like, yeah, sure, I'll follow the old man into the cave, <coughs> you know, um, so we go through <laughs> these levels of, like, becoming better players, um, you learn as you go along, yeah, and when you're playing in these games, you kind of see, um, how to DM, you know, by, by watching your DM doing it, and, um, as you do, um, we also a long time ago kind of instituted like moments where okay so the next six sessions each one will be run by one of you players and it's about your character or whatever and so kind of gave them training wheel sessions hmm. within the game to kind of give everybody a chance to tell a story and to experience uh, game mastery you know being the dungeon master hmm. um, because it's um that also makes you a better player. Mm. Once you're behind the the curtain, or once you're behind the, the the DM screen, as we call it, you know, you have, I don't know if you've seen in Stranger Things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So you have your little wall. Uh, uh, once you're behind that, looking out, and have to make decisions, and have to do things on the fly, and have to like decide does you know who do these guys shoot their arrows at, and also like, ooh, does the passerby see you or not? Like sometimes there are moments in decisions in a moment and once you've been the one who um, has had to make those decisions or experience them like you get a, an appreciation of it right. so when you're playing again you're like oh okay uh, you're like, oh. I remember that yep 
and I don't want to cause a problem here. Because, like, like, we're just trying to enjoy this game. Oh. So it's a... Can we use that bowl by any chance? So you would say that dungeon mastering is a little bit like good directing, like good dungeon mastering. Yes, absolutely. It's, um... It's... I've used this analogy before. It's also like, um... Producing and, um... Writing at the same time. But Word. it's kind of like, you know... Uh, Quentin Tarantino or Steven Spielberg or like you know obviously not on that level but you know you're kind of doing it all you're you're also the one who's putting together the soundtrack you know we learned to incorporate music long well, ago yeah um and picking you know uh, uh whatever visuals like you're the one um coming up uh, um with the setting potentially and and describing like what does this town look like what does this magic uh, um castle look like uh, uh, what does the inside of this dungeon look like as it's filling with lava? Whatever, like, and you're also the ones saying that that's where we're going. That's what we're seeing, mm. right? So, um, although one of the things I like doing, and I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see how this works with an audience, is when we go to places. Um, I'll I'll give cues to the players, or in this case, hopefully the audience, and be like, all right, so. We're in this metropolitan city. It's got a very New Orleans feel, um, but there's like a lot of undead walking around. Like there's a skeleton who's selling like fish, and like there's a zombie jazz band playing, mm. and like there's a catfish guy uh, who's who's strolling down the street, like spinning a gold watch fob. And what else do you see on the street? Mm. And then kind of throw it open to the players to see like, well, what do they? throw into and this. And that's them reacting and they can create what they want. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So they can say, you know, whatever. Like, uh, uh, there's a, you know, there, there's a, a, a an eel selling eel stew and okay. you don't want to ask any questions or whatever, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. uh, um, you kind of throw it out there and it becomes like um, it's not only a warm-up exercise or kind of like a a nice little workout for the imagination muscle for all the players, but it also gives them uh, um, a bigger buy-in on what this, uh, mm. what's going on here, and 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 how um, the world looks and how it feels. Because one thing about D and D is, while we do have visual representations, you know, you'll get art in the adventure, or you'll draw your own character, or you might even commission an artist to do. Um, to do uh, work uh, for your characters or locations or whatever. Um, but even with that, how things look uh, in everybody's heads is different, right? It, the story exists very much in everybody's own imagination space. And what they put more weight on or give more context to is up to them and in their moment. You know, even how players look or what their facial expressions are or, or any of that, who's prominent. Um, is all in their own heads and so when you have moments of um, describing something trying to set a scene uh, whether it's a location or a feeling or, or, or a moment and then throwing it open to them it's kind of cueing everybody to say what does this scene look like in your head, what's resonating here what's um, what part of your imagination is being stimulated by, by what's happening here hmm. so it's um Again, it's a kind of group storytelling that's unlike any other um, because it happens in the moment and because it's for such, generally, for such a limited audience, right? It's just for the players. Yeah. It's it's weird, and I don't want this to be my, like, 
one of the references into my D&D world. I, I heard that Vin Diesel is a big D&D player. Yeah, there's lots of people yeah. who are. But it's, yeah. But he was like mentioning, he's like, this and this and this. And I'm like, and I'm seeing, and I, I, I go to acting school and I, yep. I've, I've written screenplays and stuff. And the way you're describing, like, how, like, the DM will set, like, the world. Yep. And, like, how it is, I'm like, oh, dude, that's, like, training. That's, like, insane. Like, totally. That's the closest amount of training, like, for. For that, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's just straight up storytelling. It's just That's straight up storytelling, yeah. and you know, um, if you know, if DMing is like directing in that way that you're talking about, yeah. then like drawing on my own experience, being a player is like being an improvisational musician who yeah. somebody sets a theme, and you decide how you're going to respond to that. You know, based on I know this scale or that scale, and each one gives it a different flavor, and you as the player are sort of thinking like that in these like quasi you know these improvisational terms and I think that's kind of what brings it all together is having this like strong backbone that you flesh out to, to switch metaphors you know you're finding yeah. the kinship as in music and as that's beautiful. exactly it's finding so, like, kinship is a great great way to play DM it. is like a baseline and like he, exactly he's the baseline or the rhythm you know in some way and where or drumming uh, yeah whatever yeah exactly. and everybody's the adding their colors all over he's, he's the that's rhythm beautiful. section and where the melody the, the, yeah. the melodies where? and harmonies you know and if we harmonize, the more we harmonize, the better the game sounds. Or yeah. In this case, I guess, looks. And in the case of, for example, our Star Wars game, it's very easy for all players because like everybody loves Star Wars, right? And everybody has strong... Everybody who's playing, that is. I don't, not well, everybody in the world. But, the lore you know, is easily, yes. easily attached to. But also that, but you, you have your own emotional feelings of like what the story is and what you would want to be or want to do if mm. you were in that universe. And you also have a very strong feeling of, like, what is Star Wars-y and what isn't, mm. you know? And so when you're there in the moment and you've got this scene laid out before you where your character is invested and you're hearing the music and, like, getting the visual reps of, like, these spaceships and these aliens, like, in that moment it's very easy to, like Justin said, says to, like, harmonize to, like, uh, I can I can sing something. I can come up with a piece. I can riff on this in a way that's very Star Warsy. Mm. And the same thing with like a Dungeons and Dragons game. When you set the tone and you kind of uh, try to give people these cues as to like what this game is going for as far as its feel or its style, they're able to do the same thing. Like we've played games that are like Western games or like this is an apocalyptic like epic or. Um, you know, this is like a very fun, like kid-centric fantasy enchanted game. Like people will respond and like build into that, or at least be aware enough to know when they're kind of defying what what are elements of these kind of stories or these tropes. Yeah, hmm. and that's I think maybe where the music comes in a little bit too, and what we're trying yes. to do with the music, which is like basically the reason I'm here. Hmm. Um, you know, I play in the band um, Soulfar, which is a kind of atmospheric metal band. Mm. Um, and what we decided to do with this game was to try to create, you know, like a theme for each character, like a custom theme, mm. so they could sort of be like, all right, I want this to be like Western sounding or, you know, classical sounding um, or metal sounding, he you know, heavy sounding. And I wanted to kind of convey this emotion. And like, uh, you know, so far, like two of us at least who are also in the game, yeah. have been working on music where we've been trying to create, okay, this is what each character's theme will sound like, and it's just like another dimension. You have, you know, usually the visual, and we're trying to bring in a more custom musical element, too, to allow each character to sort of 
present themselves to the audience on a different through a different media, right, mm. and try to get that sense of who they are across through music. Yeah, like, um, I was wondering, like, how do you like approach like scoring a board game? So the <laughs> the original score I just tried to think of, or sorry, the original theme I just tried to think of, like, this is epic, but it yeah. also has this kind of pastoral background, in which these like these very um, sheltered characters are going to come into this it's high politics world. epic yeah. battle for the you know, for power kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, much like Star Wars, you know, yeah. where Luke comes from, you know, Tatooine and then eventually gets embroiled in, you know, you know, And you're just listening throne. as the story goes along. Yeah. And seeing how the peaks go yep. and then, like, the fucking gets... Yeah, that's fucking yeah. epic, dude. So I tried to do that and I was like, the first part sets the tone of, kind of, martial tone of the world. Yeah. And then there'd be a little interlude with flute that sets the tone of, you know, the dog, people Very bucolic, very humble, feels like competent. Yeah. Dude, that's so fucking And then the cool. end, I tried to bring them together. And then out of that, you know, once you have that in place, you could ask each character, okay, like, do you hear anything in that that you like? And you're like, I want that to be my theme. So, mm. you know, one melody from that became a particular character's theme. But instead of being done in, like, flute and strings, it was done in uh, synthesizer, very precious kind of tones. It sounds like... Uh, a moment in a Final Fantasy game when the character's looking up at the stars. Um, so that was the idea, that's the idea, is to try to listen to people, to start out with a, a set of, you know, motifs or themes, whatever you want to call it, that you yeah. can draw on, and um, to really try to keep in mind what Paul's saying about bringing people's vision to life. Um, so it's been, like, a cool thing, and definitely very different um, from writing metal music, you know, from writing heavy kind of music. Sure, no, that's, that's, that, it's like making me, like, I, it's like making me, uh, my, my anchor point right now is like Oblivion and Wallen. I was just a yeah. big yep, yep. It's like going out of the dungeon for the first time exactly. in Oblivion and like seeing how, like, how lush the world is. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Wallen was like, yeah. This is a whole fucking world, and yep. this is so yep. crazy. It's like a shroom yep. world, exactly. Fucking, and the music, but, like, seeing it, and, like hearing, like this. Yeah, it's beautiful, yeah. dude. That's 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 great, dude. And yeah. this is one of the most exciting things about Worlds Collide is, um, and it's another one that came up really serendipitously. And um, you know, I was approached by Prototype Two Thirty Seven about doing a live. Um, kind of Dungeons and Dragons game hmm. and so I had this idea in my back pocket that I'd been holding on to for a while that I thought was like this is a really fun cool story um, and I, I talked to uh, 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 Lislos about it and he was like I'd be really interested in playing one, like one of the protagonists of that game hmm. and I was like awesome I love that because you're like not in our regular group you're also not as familiar with like the the rules or our setting, so like you coming into this like will really feel like a, 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 a you know a crash landed astronaut on an alien world. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, <laughs> "Hey, I don't know if it's, uh, it's okay with you, but like, what would you think about like me doing uh, some music for this?" Mm. At the same time that I was struggling with like, I usually use whatever music I want because it's just nerds sitting around a table, right? But we're going to be broadcasting this we're going to be live streaming it we're going to have a monetized feed for that and so like i just can't use any music i want yeah and so when uh, uh, so far came along with the idea to do 
like a soundtrack like that is a whole new thing like that's a privilege and an honor and like a creative um an amazing creative opportunity that like i i i I can't imagine how many dms get the chance to do that for their game or to have that as an element yeah you know that is so cool um, the same way that doing the live theatrical performance is like, yeah, no, you know, most people don't get to do this. We're usually at a dining room table, yeah. you know, using music on like YouTube of like, you know, here's this old Sergio Leone uh, yeah. Uh, tune. Yeah. Um, so so far, is, uh, and I've been getting every time I get one of the new themes for the characters, it's like, yes, awesome, like this feels so good, like I, it, it puts the characters in more context to me. It gives me more ideas for them, like. Again, it's this collaboration when, like, the more artists that are working on something, if, if like, putting together a movie, like being the director yeah, in yeah, this yeah. case, it really feels like that, where I'm kind of, like, working with the studio, quote, yeah. my composer yeah, right now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we're trying to get, you know... These are my actors. My yeah, actors. these, exactly. And we're right. trying to get some more Paladin musicians into the Midway. mix. Yep. yep. So that it just feels, again, more, more collaborative and less... MIDI sounding since I'm recording yeah, it yeah, on, yeah. on a computer right now, which I'm also also cool with. Like you know, if it yeah if it has some of that sound or even all that sound, like that's fine because it can have this video gamey feel. Like it's yeah. got this kind of classic retro story that I I think you could imagine as a video game. Uh, it, it's very easily adapted, but we're just doing this as a you know as this yeah. live live game uh, as this Dungeons Dragon style game. Um, but if it has that feel of like a Final Fantasy or like an early like Zelda, like yeah, this yeah. kind of like classic retro feel, like Crush that's great. I love it. Yes. Yep. Oh yeah. That's what I hearken back to a lot. Is like Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine, yep. um, Castlevania. It kind of reminds like me of like the old silent films, like you know how mm-hmm. they would have those. Uh, yeah, they'd have the yeah. Orchestra pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking great. That'd be man. the best if we ha- if we could have an orchestra pit to play all an this orchestra. stuff. Like, I mean, it's as close yeah. as you're gonna get, man. It's honestly. as close as we're gonna get, exactly. Yeah. So we're gonna get some live musicians on a couple nights where we're doing performances. So oh, that's great. Dude. Like halfway through the run, when they've kind of had a chance to like play the music before, get a feel for the game, and they'll be able to come in and hopefully like riff off some of these themes uh, that Soulfar is doing. Uh, you know, so they'll be able to know, like, okay, this is Murder the Crow Knight's theme, mm. or, like, this is mm. you know, the theme for the Starman, or yep. the protagonist, or whatever. Like, oh, the centaur is like doing this awesome thing in combat, like, yep. let's rock out to the centaur's yeah. theme. Yep. Yeah. Alright. You know, we're only a three-member project, but the vocalist is He's busy this whole time, so it's nice because the the two instrumentalists were, you know, both going to be playing in the game, and we're both composing together. How does the vocalist approach this kind of setting? He's not, not involved. In, yeah, oh, all right, I was going to say he's, like, like, he's off. He's on vacation. In, a, I, I would only like assume it'd be like some like yeah. Dio shit. Like, I, that, that's what I would imagine. That's the only thing I think would sound right. Yeah, yeah, Dio's yeah. the ultimate like fantasy metal. Yeah, vocalist. you'd be putting words in people's heads. Yeah, but no, yeah, vocal. Vocals wouldn't work. Well, what we're I talking about is what getting we're doing, some, maybe uh, some coral. Some coral. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. We got a, some some folks who could do some singing to do some like back out kind of a duel of the fates like. Straight up. Yo, that shit's. We're gonna get some translate some cool words into like some Eastern European languages and like get some cool like murder, murder, but you know in Hungarian something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, again, it's like a fun challenge to do this. Uh, usually I'm just kind of picking music and going through, like, film soundtracks to yeah, get the yeah, cool yeah. stuff. But, like, with this, approaching him with, like, I think this guy, like, he's a bounty hunter. So, like, maybe a Western theme, like a twangy guitar. Like, yeah. we can really set the mood for all these characters in a... Like it's a really so unique great, way. Man. It's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. That's tell me, tell me a little bit about the the founding of Union City Heroes. What is this about? Sure. Yeah. So this is a, a my company. It's a gaming company, um, and we started off. Uh, the first thing we did was a superhero role playing game system. So like Dungeons and Dragons, but for a superhero game. Mm. And it's just our own unique system for like building your hero for like doing combats. It's like a very fun. It's you, you tell the story in panels and in pages. Like your your powers will last for X number of pages. Um, so it's a kind of fun um, free form system, and um, we got some good response from that. And we we had built a, a, a fan base. Um, for years, I had been running superhero games and always setting them in Union City. Mm. Uh, which is our own fictional version. Uh, well, well, you know, the Union City, New Jersey is obviously right. uh, uh, part of the inspiration. Union City is like Metropolis or Gotham. It's like a fictionalized city on right. the east coast of America where superheroes, like there are a ton of superheroes and supervillains. I would akin Patterson to more as a Gotham city. I would say but so. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> like, there is uh, one yep. guy who walks around in a tiger mask. And he's uh, yeah. one of my muses. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> the photography in the city. Anytime I see Tiger Mask, yeah. like, until he gets Tiger, Tiger Goons, you're okay. Yeah. Once he gets three or four other guys, then you need to start worrying. Well, oh, 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 when Tiger Mask, yeah, when they, yeah, when he's he gets not goons. a villain, he's like, I think he's a hero. Oh, you think he's a hero? Okay. Oh, he's just a guy who skateboards in a tiger mask. Okay. And he comes up. I mean, and that he sounds just awesome. To me, a little bit sometimes, like, like I don't know, he just knows I take photos of him. Really nice guy. Nice. That sounds uh, like a great NPC for a D&D game. <laughs> what, tiger A mask? guy just cruising around in a tiger mask, and you're like, I don't know. He's, he's like, on a skateboard. Every once in a while, he whispers something to me. Dude, yes, he does. Yeah, he, yeah. I don't, I don't, every time I see That's my fun character for an urban setting. Taxi yeah. driver. I'm like, this guy's seen the city. But uh, <laughs> I don't mean to get off track, but yeah. No, no. Okay. So is this inspired by Union City? No, no, no. Union City is a... A name that I chose because I wanted a, 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 a name that sounded plausible, that's realistic. There are Union Cities, not just in New Jersey, but elsewhere. Mm. But I wanted a name that wasn't like a major city, you know, not anywhere that most people knew. Uh, but also a name that kind of uh, was emblematic of something that I thought was good. And I, I, you know, while every large structure has its ills, I support the Union. Uh, yeah. You know, I, 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 Solidarity Ooh. Forever. Yeah. Shout out to the WGA and the SAG after. Double woo. Yes, yeah. yeah. Solidarity forever, you uh, know? Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. The robots will not replace us. Yes. Yep. Um, uh, same thing. And, like, over the years, over the tw- 20 or plus years that I've been playing games set in Union City, I, I, I only identify more and more with, you know, the name. I'm very, very happy with Union City. Yeah. And its ethos. But it's really just, like, a superhero setting. You know, that, that name is as a bedrock, but it's, you know, superhero stories... Um, and then a superhero game, and then we developed a, uh, a board game, a kind of card board game where you build the board as you play, which right. got a really uh, uh, even bigger response. It's super cool. It's like a really fun game. Yeah, it's um, awesome. Thank you. And like, really that's really what we've been working on in a big way. It's taking up a ton of our time, and we're just finishing it up. 
when I gave this speech at our friend's, uh, a friend of ours uh, engagement party uh, all about collaborative storytelling and Dungeons and Dragons and like my experience uh, uh, with Dan um, and afterwards I was approached by Alex from Prototype 237 and he said hey have you ever thought about running a live Dungeons and Dragons game on stage mm. and I said yes <laughs> Like no hesitation. I was like, "Yeah, I have been. You know, where have you been? I've been waiting for this. Like, I am so ready. I have a gaming company. The game itself that I'm working on right now is at the printers. I'm done with it. Like, I'm ready to move on to another creative project. Like, this is something that fits in before my kid comes along. Like, and it's this amazing opportunity to do Dungeons and Dragons on a stage with an audience because, like." We have these moments in, in Dungeons and Dragons that are very big, that are emotional, that like, you know, hit or like are very exciting and enthralling, and it's great to have you know six or seven people around the table who are really jazzed about that. But Made to somebody have, cry. Yes, more than once. <laughs> but to have a whole audience, like the energy in that room is going to be so cool. I'm so excited to have more people be able to to experience, like experience like- this and to write a story that's catered to like, okay, come on in. We're going to tell you this whole story. Like, you're going to be able to follow the whole thing. You don't need to know anything. Like, we're all coming in on this together. We'll all finish it up together. And we're all going to be able to, like, hopefully, like, this will be like a, a, a play or a movie or just in six parts. Sounds like it. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. This is just, like, a straight up, like, one-day theater play. Only it's in six but parts. It's, and it's improv. Like, it's all... And it's improv. Impro- yep. Improv. 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 Parkour. Yep. Uh, let's go. <laughs> Music. Where, bro? Yeah. So how do you think? Uh, anything else on the cards? So what? What? What date is that? So that uh, that starts in um, September, I think. Hold on one second. Let me grab my calendar here. Um, September twelfth is uh, opening night. That's uh, part one. Um, session one is called Dog Days. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, because it takes place in this land, Honchak, where there's a large population of dog folk who are anthropomorphic dog people. Um, and Shout out to Tuck, who is also. Yeah, I no. Am. Tucker might, might very well be a character who shows up in this game. Um, and actually, on our uh, uh, Kickstarter, we have uh, ten, uh, 10 people who, who, who get uh, the. Um, loyal companion level you can submit a dog and we'll get them done up as a dog folk we'll get the mm. art done uh design a costume and then they'll appear at somewhere in the game oh it's so right so if you got a dog you love and this sounds cool like get them in the game and you'll get an awesome piece of art you can you know get it printed get it framed put it on your wall whatever like it'll be your dog in a uh you know period dungeons and dragons style costume and uh, you can name them. They'll show up in the game. Um, it's just one of the ways we're trying to have this kind of a group storytelling. Word. Yep. Word. So September... September September 12th. September 12th. And we're going to run until um, November uh, 14th, I think. So what is it, once every two weeks? or once every About once every two weeks. Once every two and weeks? And it's going to be oh. Tuesday nights here at Prototype 237, or upstairs yeah. at Prototype 237. Um, it's, um, 
we're going to put out a, uh, there's a full calendar it's uh, on the Kickstarter the Kickstarter is live now that's running through August 15th um, please back us You for $5 you can get access to the live stream and um, all this money is going to go to way more art more maps more cool stuff for the table just making this uh, uh, a totally cooler better uh, experience for the whole audience so um, yeah it's a really exciting project it's going to run it's it's I think it's uh, November it's actually I think November 10th or November 17th we have a baby date in there because like I said <laughs> we're I right s- we're right at the due date and like there are two days that we have set aside for the finale or the most interesting Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> match you yep. have ever seen well, the, the Paladin the Paladin will finally get Paladin his chance to where alright guys Paul from Union City Heroes Leaf Laws from so far. Afternoon FM. Stay beautiful people. Wonderful conversation, guys. Matt, thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Great talking.